can still shut down the party. I can hang with anybody. I can drink whiskey and red wine, champagne and all that. Little scotch on the rocks and I'm fine. I'm fine. But when I taste tequila. Welcome back, ladies and gents here, living the good life live from Los Angeles in our State Farm Insurance Studios, continuing it here, lots happening, but I'm excited to bring on the great ladies from Bringing It Home, keeping it fresh right here with us, Laura and Juliana McIntosh. How are you guys doing? Hey, Adam, how are you? I love that it's from the uh, the State Farm Studios, because we're talking farming today. Ooh, well, keep me going. <laughs> I, I can't wait for this. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. As you, Laura, uh, you once told me long ago, you are the cherry queen. Let's talk about what's in season. Oh, wow. You had to bring that up, Juliana. That's (laughs) hilarious. Well, what we're going to talk about today is where the season is ending. The Bing cherry season here in California is only a six-week-long season. It's my favorite. And yes, in the little town that I grew up, we actually had a cherry queen festival. And I won separate years, but each of us won. But uh, this is the last week. The last week of June really is the last week for California cherries, the harvest at least. We can still find them in store because there's a lot of great recipes we can do with these beautiful, they're my favorite. Bing cherries are the ones in my opinion to use. Well, and you have used them, haven't you? What recipes have we created uh, this cherry season? All right, so the one that received the most likes people did it the most was my ice cream, the semi-fredo. I used a, the cherry, uh, the Bing cherries, and I made a semi-fredo uh, ice cream, and it was wonderful. Well, and you, Juliana, and for what those have you who done? Don't know, those who don't know, a semi-fredo is, uh, no, you don't need to have an ice cream maker. So it's really great because you can make it at home, and you don't have to go through all the process of a regular ice cream. Now, I, in fact, did a little bit of the opposite, and I made a cocktail with the cherries, making a cherry reduction, uh, a homemade grenadine. So there's a lot of fun things you can do with cherries. Was it difficult to make a grenadine out of cherry juice? You know what? Surprisingly, it's not. I make simple syrups all the time, and I was I was making this, this grenadine, and I was like, oh, my gosh, it's almost exactly the same as making a simple syrup. So very easy, few ingredients, and it goes in almost anything uh, that you would regularly drink a cherry cocktail with. So, Oh, fantastic. Great. Well, let's talk cherries. Yeah, so that brings us to our guest today, Chris Zanambini. Uh, Chris is a Northern California native and is the president and CEO of the Ag Association Management Services. And Chris has been supporting the ag organization for over 30 years, a.k.a. Chris Knows Ag. Chris, how are you today? (laughs) I'm doing great. Thanks. Hey, Chris, we've known each other for years. I Just for the audience out there, Chris, really, you know, you went to Davis, University of Davis, and represents so many different organizations throughout the space of agriculture. And I'm so happy to have you join us, not just because you're a dear friend, but you really have your finger on the pulse of what's going on. And we'll talk a little bit about cherries, but one of the questions I have for you, Chris, is, Right now, cherry season, in fact, but other commodities, apricots, they actually were going through the harvest during this whole COVID-19 epidemic and outbreak. My question for you is, how did the farmers cope with that dynamic? 
Yeah, great question. And uh, really, California cherries were the first uh, major crop to uh, be harvested, packed, and shipped during uh, COVID-19. And, uh, you know, there were challenges for for growers, and they had to adhere to specific safety measures and things that they're not typically used to doing. Um, but I would say that overall, um, as you know, uh, cherry farmers are resilient, um, and they used a, a variety of uh, methods uh, suggested by the uh, uh, health officials, whether it be uh, social distancing, uh, face masks, um, other other type of uh, uh, protective measures to make sure their employees uh, could get the job done and also be safe. You know, I, I and I applaud them because that's not easy. There's so many variables. I don't think people really understand that. But what comes to mind first for me is the cost associated with doing that. Yeah, the cost actually, uh, we have estimated it to be significant, uh, upwards to about $2 per box, just in additional safety measures. So when you look at a cherry packing facility, um, you know, it, it requires people to get those cherries uh, in the bags and the boxes and shipped out to the uh, to the stores or farmers markets. And uh, we had to employ, uh, you know, additional measures, uh, face mask, uh, sneeze sneeze guards, and sanitation techniques. All things that uh, I mean, sanitation's always been incredibly important, but all things that were done to uh, an extreme extent to ensure that we could get the job done safely. So, and, and I don't, I don't want to belabor the issue, but I'm really curious myself. What does that do with the price point, though? Does that, does that get passed on to us? Because I think consumers might want to know why are cherries so high this year. And then the second part of that question, Chris, is how did the farmers do this year? How was the yield? Was it big enough to handle the expenses they had? Um, well, you know, I don't think the price actually ends up, uh, I don't think the price changed to the consumers. Um, cherries are a, a very high-priced uh, commodity. Um, there was a huge expense in in harvest and in packing because it all has to be done by hand. And cherries, as uh, we all know, are, are very susceptible to uh, to the weather, and so there's a lot of risk associated with that. You know, overall, I think the farmers did um, average. Uh, when we look at uh, California cherries, a, a good percentage of the crop gets exported, uh, particularly to Asian markets. And with the uh, reduction in, in travel and passenger air traffic, um, there was a reduction in the capacity to actually uh, ship cherries by air freight to some of the uh, the more lucrative and key export markets like Japan and, and Korea, Taiwan. Right. So all of those expenses, then, what I'm hearing is really the farmer, you know, took that on. They, they didn't pass it on, and, and the variables was something that, that again, this is really just describing a farmer, that they will, just the type of the year that we had, it cost us more, but we're willing to carry that because we want people to have cherries. Yeah, farmers love what they do, and uh, farmers want to continue to provide uh, products like uh, California Bing cherries uh, to the consumers and uh, 
do it safely and also affordably. Right, right. So that's another question I have for you also. Like in your household, what's your favorite variety of cherry? Well, Bing cherries are by <laughs> far the best, um, but there's, uh, you know, a, a relatively newcomer um, would be a, a coral, a coral champagne, which is a, a, a beautiful um, reddish-white cherry that uh, tends to be a little larger and firmer, um, and uh, it just performs really well. It seems to be a little more uh, uh, resistant to some of the weather susceptibility, and it has a great flavor and is really pretty, too. All right, but we both agree nothing beats a Bing. Nothing beats a Bing. By far the best thing out there. <laughs> One of the questions I would ask you, and I wanted our, our listeners to hear this. In your opinion, you have so many associations under your belt, you know, Ag Management Associ- Ag Association Management. You represent everyone from pears to cherries to flowers. You do so much. What do you feel and what can you share with us is the universal voice of farmers? How do you think as a whole they want people to view them? Uh, farmers want to be viewed as, you know, stewards of the land. Um, they they live on their farms. They care for uh, the land and the resources. And, um, you know, farmers, just like everyone else, want to have a high quality of life, um, a good livelihood, um, and, you know, farmers love to farm. Right, right. It really is just innately part of who they are, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. Last question, Chris, and, and I'm, I hope I'm not throwing you a curveball, and you may not have the answer for this, but during the COVID epidemic and everything that's been going on, we saw a lot of surplus that was not sent to stores or not available for consumers to buy. Have there been any upgrades as to what do we do when there's too much food? How do we get it to folks? A great question, and, and uh, uh, you're not catching me off guard at all. You know, our, our food distribution systems are, are pretty well defined, and, you know, you have uh, retail and food service, and I think what we saw in the midst of COVID-19, it immediately shut down the food service sector and you know a lot of those those uh, producers who would produce in in large uh, quantities and in large packages couldn't shift on a dime to get that product to um the retail uh, sector so it took some time um there was adjustments um i do think farmers uh, provided a tremendous amount of product to the food banks which again just goes to the heart of, of farmers doing what they do and, you know, continuing to uh, provide healthy, nutritious products no matter what market they're supplying. Well, Chris, you're right, and I, and I saw a lot of that happening, and we're so thankful that the farmers did do that. And really and truly, I, I think everybody should hung, hug a farmer. We eat because of them. They are the best and the most good-hearted people that I know. Um, of course, you do too, and you do so much to spread the word of what the farming community does, and plus you're at the state level as well, making sure that their voice is heard. So, Chris, thank you so much for being on today. We really appreciate you speaking for them and really letting us all learn how important they are. Wonderful, and, and you know, thanks for the opportunity, and 
my message to everybody is, uh, yeah, hug a farmer, but uh, do it in a uh, socially responsible way. <laughs> perfectly said. Perfectly said. And go out there, and when you buy the food from the farmer, you know you know what you're eating. So go out there and grab some. All right. Well, thanks again, Chris. We're looking forward to having you on again soon. And there you go, everyone. Another episode of Keeping It Fresh in the Books. Make sure to follow us on Bringing It Home underscore and to visit our website, bringingithome.com. Slowly walking down the hall, faster than a cannonball. Where were you while we were getting high? Someday you will find me copping it the landslide in a champagne supernova in the sky. Someday you will find me Copping it the landslide In a champagne supernova A champagne supernova